Good afternoon. Uh, we are going to begin with uh, a song for this uh, overview and uh, end with a song for this overview. And it happens that it will be the same song both times. Uh, I, I have a handout here. If you did not receive it, uh, do you still have some with you back there, Paul? Oh, yeah, I'll hear. Okay. Uh, if you need one, please hold your hand up, and uh, we'll get some out here for you. We've got quite a few still here left. Everybody have a copy then? All right, let's sing Beautiful Esther. Beautiful Esther became the queen In the land of Persia when Xerxes was king Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare You saved your people, oh there. You saved your people over there. Haman hated Mordecai, and he wanted all Jews in the kingdom to die. Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare! You saved your people over there. You saved your people over there. Beautiful Esther, she risked a lot, and she knew that she had to reveal the plot. Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare! You saved your people over there. You saved your people over Today the Jews celebrate near and far. It's the feast they call Purim in the twelfth month they dawn. Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare! You saved your people over there. You saved your people over there. And, uh, Credit for verse 4 goes to Brother Tom Wooden. He wrote that verse. Now, if you flip that over, on the back side you have your skeleton outline of our review. And so we're going to briefly introduce ourselves to this book of Esther. I hope it's not an introduction necessarily. I hope that 
for the most part we are familiar and that way we can get a lot out of this uh, weekend together considering this book together. Lessons for our time from the book of Esther is our theme and this is our overview going in today. This is a much loved story in the Bible, the story of Esther or Hadassah, her Hebrew name, a Jewish girl who becomes the queen of Persia. A, a woman who at great risk to her own life intercedes and saves her people, intercedes for them and saves them. Now, we're going to be hearing about this in the next lesson, but think of this woman as a paragon of beauty and virtue because she is noted for being very lovely, being very beautiful on the outside, but from the inside, her faith and her courage, her, her honor that she treats her uncle Mordecai with, or her cousin, uh, and the way that she conducts herself, that is the true beauty of this, of this woman. She certainly serves as a role model for young women today. And so to see how, let's review. Beginning with the story of Esther, expulsion of Vashti. That's what we find in chapter 1, verses 1 through 22. We have King Ahasuerus, or Xerxes, 486 to 465 B.C., the king of Persia, and he has been having a six-month-long celebration. And he follows this celebration by a seven-day feast. And there is also, concurrent with the feast being hosted by the king, there is one being hosted by the queen, Vashti, uh, for the women. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Ahasuerus decides that he wants to show off his wife, but she refuses to cooperate with this. We read about that in verses 10 through 12 of the first chapter. And so in anger, Ahasuerus has, has Vashti banished as a warning to all wives. Esther chapter 1, 13 through 22. Now, we just sang the song and we said Xerxes, and I've been saying Ahasuerus, take your pick. Ahasuerus comes from the, uh, the old... Hebrew form, or a, a derivation of the Hebrew form of this man's name. Xerxes comes from an older Greek form of this name. Uh, Xerxes, even though it looks rather funny, I think it's easier to say, and so it certainly fits into the song better. That's why I went with Xerxes instead of Ahasuerus for that. It's actually a transliterated form of the name Ahasuerus, having trekked its way through all these twists and turns of language, of time, of culture. So who's to say if we're getting it right? So if I have to make a choice, I'll go with Xerxes. And that's how we sing it in the song. The Elevation of Esther, chapter 2, verses 1 through 23. After Vashti is, is banished, uh, it doesn't actually say that she is put to death. It's maybe implied that she was, but she's at least, she's not queen anymore, and she's banished from the kingdom. And so they, they have a plan to replace her. A, a work has begun to find a replacement for the queen. And that is uh, begun in verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2. Now in Shushan, the capital of this kingdom, there was this Mordecai, a Jew. 
and he was raising his lovely and beautiful cousin, Hadassah, or Esther. Esther chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. So she was, this young woman was selected along with all of the other beautiful virgins from the kingdom to be a candidate as a possible replacement for the queen. Now she underwent 12 months of preparation, which would have included uh, some skin fading treatments, because unlike today, where a nice tan, a nice glow is considered beautiful, uh, that was associated with those who had to go out in the fields and work for a living. And so people of nobility uh, wanted to distance themselves from that. And as, as most of the people had uh, darker or probably olive-type complexions in this part of the world, in this time in the world, she would have undergone some, some bleaching treatments as part of her beauty treatment. For 12 months, she went through these, uh, these treatments. And then uh, she is uh, among those candidates, of course, and ends up as the one being selected to replace Vashti. Chapter 2, 8 through 19. <clears throat> but at the first, there was one detail that she did not reveal about herself. And that detail was that she was Jewish. And why do you suppose she was reluctant to reveal that at first? Well, because I think it's very apparent in this book, uh, this story and the, the history of these times, that there was a lot of... Uh, disfavorable attitudes towards the Jews, a lot of anti-Semitism in this kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And so it was to her advantage to keep that secret if she could. And so she did not at first reveal that she was a Jew. <coughs> now, we have a little story, a little interim in chapter 2, 21 through 23, where Mordecai gets word of a plot against King Xerxes. And he makes, uh, makes uh, a way to inform the king of this, this thing against him, and uh, the thing is thwarted. And uh, it's recorded that this individual, Mordecai, did this thing, and this thing saved the king. And then that's kind of put on the back burner, and that comes up again later on. Then you have, in chapter 3, verse 1, through chapter 4, verse 17, the extermination of the Jews being planned. And that was the plan that Haman had. When we sing in the song, Haman hated Mordecai and he wanted all Jews in the kingdom to die. That was very true. He, if he could have done that, that was his wish to exterminate literally all of the Jews. And we'll be hearing some more about this in one of the talks. Uh, also, uh, the one that Jeremy is going to be presenting to us, some of the background for this. But... Haman is an Agagite, and uh, that's significant because Mordecai is a Jew, but he is also of the tribe of Benjamin, that is, the tribe of Saul. And there's that story where Saul was told through the prophet Samuel to annihilate, to utterly destroy and wipe out all of the Agagites, uh, or they were actually a branch of the Amalekites, I believe. But he kept the king, Agag, kind of as a trophy. We don't know how long he kept him, 
but obviously it was long enough to produce offspring because this man in this story, all these years later, is a descendant of that man. So Haman, the Agagite, is promoted to a high position in the kingdom. He's, he's given the position, really, that is second only to the king. He's above all the other officials of the king. But Mordecai, as a Jew, refuses to bow before him, which infuriates Haman. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. <clears throat> Haman receives uh, permission from Ahasuerus to kill the Jews. And uh, a date is set for this, the 13th month, the 13th of the month of Adar, chapter 3, 6 through 15. And so when this edict is being distributed throughout the kingdom, then Mordecai is out in the square outside the king's gate, and he is in sackcloth and ashes. He is mourning because of the news of this edict, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. So then Esther, of course, hears of her cousin and learns of Haman's plot to kill the Jews, and Mordecai eventually convinces Esther to approach the king at great risk to her own life. Esther chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 10 through 17, we read, Then Esther spoke to Hathok and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court, Without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come into the king these thirty days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do you not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews? For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Such a time as this will frame another one of the themes for one of our talks that we will hear this weekend. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold fast on my behalf, and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. And Esther does go before the king. And uh, the extermination of the Jews is thwarted. Chapter 5, verse 1 through chapter 9, verse 32. Esther is granted her audience with the king. The king beckons her by lowering the staff, and then uh, she makes a request that a banquet be held and that Haman be invited, just she and Haman and the king, to this banquet. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Then after that one, she invites them to another banquet the following night, and this is where she is going to make her petition because the king has said to her, anything that you ask, my darling, to half the kingdom I will give it to you. And so she says on the next night she's going to reveal her petition. Chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. As, uh, after, after the uh, first banquet on his way home, Haman is all joyful about the events of the evening, but then he encounters Mordecai again, and Mordecai refuses to bow to him. Um, and so his wife 
and friends persuade him to build a gallows to have Mordecai hung upon. Chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. And when we get to talking about the uh, those narcissists and nemesis, we'll talk some more about that tomorrow, Lord willing. But at, then on this night, after these this banquet, the king cannot sleep, and he reads through the archives, and he learns about this Mordecai. He is reminded about this Mordecai and how he intervened and thwarted this plot against him, yet nothing to date has been done to, to honor this Mordecai. Chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. So the king asks Haman, because Haman's his right-hand man, Haman's second in command, what should be done to honor a man, a good man, you know, someone that the king wants to, to bestow and lavish honor upon, what should be done? What, how should we do that? And of course, Haman thinks that, of course, it's about him, and uh, gives him the plan, and he ends up being the, the one that has to lead Mordecai around the, the court, proclaiming his praises. So the king has Haman bestow this honor on Mordecai, and Haman returns home ashamed, chapter 6, 10 through 14. Now the next day, the king and Haman dine again with Esther, and then she tells the plot to kill the Jews, her own people, and accuses Haman, chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. And the king is so overwrought by the news that he hears, he leaves their banqueting room. He's so angry, he goes out into the garden, only to return to find Haman assaulting his wife, or that's how it appears to him, but he's really begging for his life there, falling upon her, trying to find some mercy. And then, of course, that only makes matters worse for Haman. Uh, the king learns that there's been a gallow built for Mordecai. I know. Let's use it for Haman. So Haman gets to be hung on that same gallows he had built for Mordecai, chapter 7, 9, and 10. Then Esther is given Haman's house. Mordecai is promoted, takes the position that was formerly held by Haman in the kingdom, and a plan to save the Jews is made. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. The Jews are spared. Their enemies are destroyed. Because as it turns out, uh, where the, the plan was that they would be totally defenseless, they are allowed to defend themselves, and they triumph over their enemies, and uh, the Jews the Jews win that, that battle. They're spared, their enemies are destroyed. Esther and Mordecai institute the Feast of Purim to commemorate the Jews' deliverance, a feast uh, not unlike what is coming up close for the Mexican people, the Cinco de Mayo celebration, where that is a celebration of, of them throwing out the little village of Puebla, throwing off their French overlords, and it eventually led to, later, with the intervention of the Monroe Doctrine and the help of the Americans, the uh, overthrow of the proclaimed French emperor over the Mexican people, and we're glad that that happened. Otherwise, uh, not any. some of my ancestors were French, and my grandfather spoke French, but no reflection on French speakers. But we'd probably be speaking French right now, and we wouldn't be the United States had that not occurred. And so, not unlike that is, is this celebration that was instituted. Mordecai is exalted, uh, chapter 10, 
verses 1 through 3. Mordecai, the Jew, becomes second to King Ahasuerus of Persia. Esther 10, 1 through 3. Mordecai becomes great and well-received among the Jews, seeking their good and seeking their peace. 10, verse 3. Now, we'll say a little bit about this uh, portion, uh, Esther's beauty and virtue. We're going to be hearing some more about that in just a minute from our brother Eric, our next speaker. But you have the this sketch there on the on your sheet about this as well. She was a woman of great beauty. Chapter two, verses seven through seventeen describe this. She was lovely and beautiful, verse seven. She was taken along with many other young women, verse eight. She pleased Haggai, the custodian, who advanced her to the best place in the uh, presentation of these women. In chapter uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, she underwent those 12 months of preparation for beautifying. Verse 12, she obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. Verse 15, and she was loved by Hazuerus above all other women. Chapter 2, 16 and 17. But not only was she physically attractive, but she was a woman of great virtue. Chapter 2, verse 2 through chapter 4, verse 16. She was a virgin out for her selection by the king, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. She always honored Mordecai, her surrogate father. Cross-reference the passage there in the book of Esther with Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. She followed his advice at first not to reveal her ethnicity, chapter 2, verse 10, and chapter 2, verse 20. She remained in contact with him, chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. She manifested faith in God's providence, accepting Mordecai's view that her position might be providential. Chapter 4, verse 14. She called upon others to fast with her and pray as she did while a decision was being reached and while they were seeking the will of God as to what would happen. Chapter 4, 15 and 16. She was willing to risk everything, her position, even her life, if necessary, for the saving of her people, chapter 4, verse 16. Esther proved that she was more than just a pretty face. She was a model adult daughter, free to act as she chose. She carefully weighed Mordecai's advice, and she acted in a virtuous way. She was a model person of faith, devoted to God and to his people. Esther proved herself to be a true daughter of Sarah, beautiful on the outside as Sarah was. Genesis 12, 10 through 20 tells us about how beautiful Sarah, Abraham's wife, was. But more so and more importantly, on the inside, as women of God should be, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of, of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. So again, may this paragon of beauty and virtue be a role model for women and daughters everywhere. <clears throat> All right, let's sing the song one more time. I may try to speed it up a little bit. I was going kind of slow 
on purpose. My wife, who unfortunately can't be with us today, she said, don't sing it too fast. So I tried to go slow that time, but we'll maybe pick it up a little bit. <clears throat> Beautiful Esther became the queen In the land of Persia when Xerxes was king Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare You saved your people over there You saved your people over there Haman hated Mordecai And he wanted all Jews in the kingdom to die Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare You saved your people over there you saved your people over there. Beautiful Esther, she risked a lot, but she knew that she had to reveal the plot. Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare. You saved your people over there. You saved your people over there. Today the Jews celebrate near and far. It's the feast they call Purim in the twelfth month they dark. Esther, oh Esther, what courage rare. You saved your people over there. You saved your people over there. Thank you.